Okay. Uh, can you hear me clearly? Do I need the microphone or are we okay? Like this. It has to be on. Better? Testing one, two? There we go. Better. Okay. Okay. Nice to be here for the first time in my life. I'm walking for the first uh, four, four cubits in Chutzlarts in uh, this land. We're going to go into how important it is that you have Simcha in your life and in your Judaism. You should know in Parashat Kitavo, the punishments and the klalot, there's curses in Parashat Kitavo, and it says at the end of all the punishments there, that all this is happening, all this is happening because you didn't serve Hashem out of joy. It doesn't say because you didn't serve Hashem, it says you didn't serve Hashem out of joy. What's going on here? Unbelievable. The point is that if a Jew is not serving Hashem out of joy, which means to get up in the morning is a burden, to daven shacharit is a burden, to put on tefillin is a burden, to try to raise his children to have a Jewish education is a burden, to raise a Jewish family, is a burden, so then this is the gateway, that it can lead, that a person will drop it off totally. They have an analogy, this is given by the Magid of Dubna. Magid of Dubna was a close friend to the Vilna Gaon. And he gave an analogy of once somebody had a servant and this, this master, he received the message that there's mail to pick up from the post office. So he went to pick up the package. The parcel was a giant sack of bricks. So the guy came back after two hours, half dead. And the guy said, why it took so long? He said, look what you sent me to get. I'm half dead because of what you sent me to get. He looked at the address. He said, this is not what I sent you for. They made a mistake. It's the wrong address. So he said, if now Judaism becomes a burden, becomes difficult, then the person has the wrong address. So what to do? I, I, I mean, I can't not do anything. So a person has to find, must find the way to be besimcha. Something is wrong. I have the wrong coordinates. It can't be that my fulfillment in life, I have no simcha in my life. And by the way, to have simcha in life is also a mitzvah because life involves every, every, every time a Jew turns around, he does mitzvah. We say every day, remember, Rabbi Hanania ben Akasha Omer, what is this? What did Rabbi Hanania ben Akasha said? Ratzak Adashbuchu, lezakot et Yisrael, lefichachirbalahem, Torah mitzvot. Right? The translation is, Hashem wanted to give merit to the Jewish people. So how did he give the merit? He gave them a lot of Torah and mitzvot. So Rabbi Natanya asks, that's a, that's a merit? That's a burden. <laughs> you give so many Torah and mitzvot, and then you say that's a merit, that's a burden. So he says it's really not a burden. Because there are so many mitzvot, it's not just 613. It's 613 plus the extensions and the extensions and the extensions. It goes on and on and on. So so many mitzvot that whenever you just turn to do something, you're already doing a mitzvot. For example, the Mishnah Bura. Right, Mishnah Bura, we learn Mishnah Bura. The very opening of the section called Bira Lacha, he lists six mitzvot that a Jew can do constantly by thought. By thinking about Hashem in certain ways, you're credited to a mitzvah just by the thinking of it. What's, what, what are we trying to say? That whenever a Jew turns, for example, you do one mitzvah, and it's connected at the same time to tzedakah, it's connected to chesed, it's connected to, to respecting your parents, it's connected to 500 other items, and you get credited boom, boom, boom to all of them. Unbelievable. So we have tons of mitzvot, and that makes up the life of a Jew. 
the Jew from morning to evening, and even while sleeping, you're packed with mitzvot. Every second, you're washing your hands, you're saying a bracha, right? You do this. You do. The day is filled with mitzvot, and that's life, okay? Simchat Chaim is being, feeling good about yourself and what you're doing, and not like the Yetzirah is trying to tell a person after what you did, what value is your tefillin, what value is your Shabbat, what value is your mitzvah, look at you anyways. You, wanna, you don't want to be a good Jew. The Yetzirah tries to convince us that it's, that's not the case, but the real reality is that we have precious value in our mitzvot. He says, Rabbi Nachman and his student, Rabbi Nosson, Rabbi Natan, that the Yetzirah's main work is to make a person fall into atzvut, sadness. Because once you've, you've fallen into the trap of sadness, that leads the domino effect to everything else. The Ramban, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, he points out in his commentary on the Chumash that in Hebrew, in Lashon HaKodesh, the Holy Tongue, the word for the nervous system, which is Atzabim, Ayin, Tzadik, Bet, Yudmet, Yudmem, has the same root for the word for sadness, Atzvut. Ayin Tzadik Bet is in Atzvut, and Ayin Tzadik Bet is in the nervous system. And he says there's a correlation and a connection. In that, when God forbid a person has sadness, this automatically has an effect on the person's health. His nervous system begins to break down, and this leads to what's called Marashchora. Marashchora is, they translate it as depression. But Marashchora means literally black bile. In the body, the Rambam explains, there's four types of blood. There's black blood cells, white, red, and also green. Black is the most dangerous one, black bile. Marashchora is when the body is heavy and down and depressed. All this because that a person allows the sadness to enter and penetrate themselves. Because of that, Rabbi Nachman warns, a person has to run 180 degrees away from worries that bring him, God forbid, to the sadness and depression because it's destructive. It's very destructive. So he says, Rabbi Nachman, that it seems the way people are today in such a danger of so easily falling into sadness and depression, the only way, he says, the main way to activate happiness is by acting silly and telling jokes. He says, this is the way to come to genuine simcha, is even if you're telling funny jokes that have nothing to do with Judaism and Torah and Emunah and everything, but it will lead to, I'm doing it for the intent of coming to real simcha, okay? So because of that, even though it's like joking, the goyim also joke. They have, they have jokes and comedies and actors and everything, but it ends at a dead end. It doesn't bring them to anything else. Whereas by us, the goal is for something higher, to come now to be happy about my Judaism, to be happy about my family and the chinuch and the Shabbat and the Shabbat table and everything that I have in my life, to appreciate it and be happy about it. So I need to access this. He explains Rabbi Natan even more. He says, because now we're in Galut, What's in Galut? When we say the Jewish people are in exile. Here, last week's parsha, we read yesterday, that Hashem told Avraham Avinu, Yadoa Teda, no, you should know that your children will be in exile, you know, under a nation 400 years. What's the Torah telling us this? What is this concept of exile? What is an exile? Here, we're still alive, the Jewish people, after B'lain Hara, over 2,000 years, 3,000 years, 2,000 years in exile, let's say. We're still around, there's still Torah. It's not at the same level as... 2,000 years ago, not, not at the level of the time of the Mishnah, of the Gemara, the Tanaim Amoraim, or the Tzadikim and Tzfad, the Arizal, etc. We're still around, right? What's in Galut? 
we have everything here. The Jews in America are very comfortable, more or less, right? There's Torah, there's this, there's Pranasa, I can do things, I can live openly as a Jew, I can build a sukkah, I have beautiful Moroccan Echogim, I have nice Lulavim, I have everything coming my way. Money is not a problem, and doing mitzvah today is not a problem, Baruch Hashem, okay? What is in Galut? What's the Galut? He says, the Shekhinah is in Galut. The, the Zohar says, Shekhinta Begaluta. And what's the Shekhinah? The Shekhinah, Rabbi Nachman calls it, the Simcha of the Jewish people. The Simcha of the Jewish people is in Galut. What does that mean? That fine, we have access to doing mitzvot, but if there's no joy in doing it, and I don't feel good about it, that's Galut. And that's opening for something severe, which the Zohar calls, the Zohar Kadosh calls it, Tokpa Dedina, harsh judgments. When, Rabbi Nachman explains, when do harsh judgments come to the Jewish people? When they lack Simcha. You hear this? When you're lacking simcha, it's not because of this, because of that. People are complaining, oh, he does this, he does that. You know why Mashiach's not coming? Because the women don't cover their head. You know why Mashiach's not coming? Because people don't do Netanyahu time in the morning properly. You know why Mashiach, they, they give you a list of things to make you feel, number one, guilty, but make it sound negative. You have to fix this. The real cause, why all this is happening, okay, you tell me that this and this and that's the problem. The reason why the women have the problem, let's say, covering their head or neti daim or these things, whatever it is, is because there's a prerequisite which is missing. What is the prerequisite? Simcha. If now a person had true simcha, they would run to do the mitzvot, Baruch Hashem. They would feel so good about it. Because of that, Rabbi Nachman points out that simcha is of absolute necessity, even to the extent of making jokes and acting silly. So Rabbi Nathan explains, going back to what I said earlier, the reason why this is the case, why we have to tell jokes and act silly in order to activate true simcha, is because the simcha of the Jewish people is in Galut. The simcha is in Galut. So in order now to extract the simcha of holiness from the evil domain, from the klipot, from the tumah, the only way is that if I use their attitude, the attitude of the evil, which is telling jokes and acting silly, okay? By, by doing that, by sharing a common uh, factor with the evil and telling jokes, that's how I'm able to take out the simcha from the evil side and bring it into the Ketusha. This is why a person can even go to that extent. Now, the, the focal point of this class is the idea of davening. Davening with simcha. If a man looks at his life, he'll see that the most difficult devotion, the most difficult one to fulfill properly is tefillah, prayer. You can daven every day, but you know, I'm just saying the words. Most people don't even know what they're saying even. Even if they buy the art school translation and they try to learn the translation, but they know, and everyone can attest, that I can't concentrate. I start davening, all of a sudden my mind goes to the work, my mind goes to what I did at home today, and what I have to do, and I have to buy this. They don't come before, before davening, they don't come after davening. The thoughts that attack, they come during the davening. During, I'm trying to do Shemona Esre, and my head is, uh, is in Tokyo, and Japan, and wherever. My head is not there. Why are they coming during the davening? Tefillah is one of the hardest things of the daily avodah. To put on tefillin, fine. To do mezuzah, fine. Shabbat, fine. But tefillah <coughs> is very hard to do properly. So he points out, he stresses, this is why... A Jew needs, when he wakes up in the morning, to have a positive attitude. What's the first thing we do when we wake up? We say what? We say, Muradin. Oh, no, which is what? I'm giving thanks to you. 
Now, the guy who wakes up, he misses his minyan. He has a minyan 6 o'clock in the morning, right? And all of a sudden, he woke up at 10 in the morning. Can he say modani? Can, how can he say modani? Oh, I missed my minyan. Oh, I'm late for this now. Oh, I'm he woke up negative. So how in the world do you expect him to be able to daven, to pray? He can't, can't do anything because he's, he's, he woke up on the wrong, the wrong side of the bed. He got off the bed of the wrong side of the bed, right? This is the, the, the Torah showing us that this is what's needed. A person needs to be positive in starting the day. They say it's, it's understood. The world understands. The way you start the day, that's how the day will be. A person starts the day negative, the day will be negative, right? So this idea how, how a person has to has start the day with positive. And it's difficult. For that reason, a person has to do something silly, act funny and everything. In shul, a person comes to shul and they say, ah, here's the joker. He came to make us happy before the davening. This is something beneficial. This is something positive that someone acts funny and silly to activate simcha. And once that's activated, you can throw it now into the positive simcha of davening, okay? So, the Ben Ishchai, he brings down from the Arizal that the prayer that we say every morning, the main prayer is Shacharit, it has four sections. Four sections, which are really eight sections. Four times two. Four going up, four going down. When we start the morning prayers, we start at the very, very lowest point. It's called Korbanot. Korbanot. Anyways, people, they come to shul, they're still sleeping. <laughs> they would say Korbanot. We're not, we're not there yet. Our head is not in, in it totally. Okay, you start off very dizzy, very tipsy, whatever. And the prayer takes time to get into it, to get into the mood, the motivation, whatever, okay? So, the, the, the Ben Ishchai explains that the prayer is broken down to what's called worlds, olamot, okay? The first world is the lowest world. It's called the world of Asiya. When we say worlds, what does it mean? I don't see one world. There's one world with four dimensions. What does it mean, a, a dimension? It means an attitude. You can see that. You have, for example, North America in the year 2021. And then I go 100 years back, I see the same, the same land, but different people, different setting, different, different mentality. An item can change in a different perspective. There's the idea of having a different dimension. In the Kabbalah, it's called Olamot. So in the davening, we start off with the lowest world. It's called Asiya. Asiya, Rabbi Nachman explains, is that a Jew, when he davens in the morning, first of all, do you know why we're davening? You're saying the same prayer, every day of your life every day so a person now is alive 50 years so take 50 years he starts davening as a child let's say at age 4 age 5 age 6 whatever they started the Talmud Torah so every day they have 365 days in the year okay multiply that by 40 45 50 years the person is saying the same words every day what Hashem really needs this what, what what's going on the answer is yes because every day every Jew has a mission which is what's called to elevate holy sparks, to take nitzotzot sparks, which are trapped all over the universe, all over the creation. Every Jew elevates them by all the mitzvot they do, but especially with prayer. That's why prayer is so difficult. So now, when we're starting to elevate, the first stage is to take the holiness that's trapped in the tumah, in the evil, and to bring it up to the beginning stage of the feet, the legs. So the first part of the davening, which is the korbanot, that we say in the morning with the avamavinu and the akedah and all that, that corresponds to elevating holiness from in the earth, in the impurity, to bring it up to the starting point. Once that's done, it's able to go to the next point. 
that means the legs start to move. Okay? The legs start to move, then we bring it up to the level of the torso, the arms, the, the chest area. The arms begin to move. And then finally, we reach the head part, the brain. So in the davening, the first section of lifting up from the under the earth to the legs is the korbanot. The second stage is called psuke de zimra. The word zimra means also lizmor, to cut. To cut off any connection from the evil now more. That's the legs where you're stamping on the evil now and moving. And then the next stage of the brachot of kriachma, the section of kriachma, is associated with the hands. Because brachot, blessings, come from the hands. Like we saw with Yaakov when he gave the blessings to Menashe Nefraim, Sikelet Yadav. And Rabbi Nachman learns out from this idea that blessings are, are, are the word Sikel. He switched his hands. The word Sikel is rooted in the word for Sechel, intellect, mind. So the idea that Yaakov, to give a blessing, he did it with intent, and the word used is Sikel. So he learns out that this idea of blessing coming from the hands, the blessing of the mind. And then finally in the Shimones, Reda Amida, we're at the top, we're at the Spitz, the pinnacle, which is the mind, okay? And then after that, we go back down, because you can't stay at that level. You go back downwards, then the, you go down, down, Ashrei, Uval okay? Until you get to Alein Shabach, and we back down. What we accomplished is we elevated sparks up to be recharged and connected, and now I merited to bring down bounty because of that, and now I can go back down to my daily life, and continue the day with this new energy that never existed ever before as something new. That's why we're davening every day. So now Rabbi Nachman extends this, that this is not just for the davening, but whenever a Jew works to fight to be besimcha, he does exactly what's happening in the davening. You need simcha for davening, number one, but you need simcha in order to lift up any evil trapped in the evil forces. Simcha has that power because simcha is the key to release the Shekhinah from the Galut. If now a Jew is really besimcha, he's really happy, so the Shekhinah now is being released, and then you have an elevation, okay? This is why simcha is so powerful, so important. Now more than this, okay? This is now the theory, the idea. Now on a practical level, you also need to access simcha for your personal struggles and difficulties that you're going through in life. Okay, for example, when a person now is faced with a, like a traumatic, stressful, panicky situation, the normal attitude of a person is to go nuts, to go berserk. Oh my God, call this rabbi, call this doctor, call this psychologist, call this life coach. Oh my God, what do we do? Person starts going crazy and trying to think of 1,000 things to do and doesn't know what's the right thing to do. Who to speak to? What's the right thing to do? Where is the address? Where is the... And the person, you can't expect him to make the right decision if he's under stress. Even if people say to the person, calm down, calm down, let's think clearly. He cannot think clearly. It doesn't help. It doesn't work. Here Rabbi Nachman teaches, you want out, you want to find the opening in life. A person now has an opportunity for a good shiduch. He doesn't know what to do. A person now has an, an opportunity for a good investment. A person now doesn't know what type of school to put his children in. In this more religious one, this <coughs> <coughs> sorry, this less one, this one, this type of school, they wear this type of clothing, this type of kippah, all types of questions. And also a person's going through health issues. And he's tried everything. 
And he's tried this thing until someone suggests maybe try this, maybe try that. Person, I've given up already. I've tried so many things and it's not working to get out of this sickness, to get out of diabetes, whatever. Okay? Here Rabbi Nachman teaches, Simcha also works here. The Pasuk says, we say this every Motzei Shabbat in Pesukim that we have in the Sidur. Ki besimcha tetzeu. Ki besimcha tetzeu is a prophecy which is referring to the future. Number one, on the simple level, that in order to bring Mashiach with the Giula, Hashem promises the Jewish people, you will come out with joy. Rabbi Nachman teaches it doesn't just apply to the future. It applies every time you're stuck in life. The way to get out, the way to get out is through joy. We're now going to illustrate this with a funny story. And you'll, you'll see from the story how Simcha is the key. And the story goes with the two brothers, the two Tzadikim brothers, Rabbi Zusha of Annapoli and his brother Rabbi Elimelech of Lizhensk. These two brothers, there was a time in their life they had a, what's called a self-imposed galut, self-imposed exile, okay? And they went incognito, you know, anonymous, into villages, doing whatever they did. They came to one village in the Ukraine, and in this village there was a curfew, 8 p.m. Anybody on the streets after 8 p.m., the police would arrest, even if they were totally innocent, and put them in, in the prison cell until the morning, and in the morning, they would ask them, okay, what are you doing here? Let's see your papers. Why, why, why are you here? Because many people would come through, even innocent people. They didn't know this thing, but just to protect the city from robbers and thieves and, and, and murderers, whatever, they had this precaution of arresting everybody after 8 p.m. So it happened that Rav Zusha and Rav Elimelech arrived at this village about 10 minutes before 8, 10 to 8, let's say. And they didn't have enough time to arrange lodgings where they're going to sleep and this and that. And by the time 8, they were still on the street. The police arrested them and brought them to the prison. The prison cell was a giant room with mattresses all over on the floor around. And many people, Jews and non-Jews together. And in the middle was the, the bathroom, the washroom, the toilet. Which means that you can't daven, you can't learn Torah, you can't do anything when you're in presence of such an item, it's forbidden. There's the smell and also the item itself. It's forbidden, it's, uh, it's forbidden to, to say any words of prayer when in direct contact with a ba bathroom that's openly exposed like that. So Rav Zusha, Rav Elimelech was very sad. And Rav Zusha, who was the older brother, but always the happy one, he said, my brother, Rav Elimelech, why are you so sad? He said, why am I sad? I can't dive in Arvit. I can't say Shema. I don't remember in my life I ever being in such a situation. I can't even daven. I can't even, I can't even stick Torah, no nothing. So Rav Zusha reminded him the halacha. The halacha says like this. He said, but you, you're doing, the halacha says that if now comes time to daven, say Shema, whatever, and you're in such a situation where you're exposed to a bathroom, so halacha says like this. You say in your heart, Hashem, I want to do your will. But the situation does not allow me to do so. So please let it be considered as if I did it. And you are rewarded, ke'ilu, you are rewarded as if you actually did it. So Zusha told his brother, you, Mr. Lechat Chila, Elimelech, my brother, the tzaddik, who always does mitzvot perfectly and right and everything, you never were in such a scenario. So just imagine now, Hashem gave you an opportunity to finally do this type of mitzvah that you've never done before in this format. 
you should be dancing. So he convinced him, and he started dancing in the prison cell, okay? And all the goyim there, and all the poor Jewish people, they're all broken, they're all broken with their own problems. They see these two brothers dancing, and they notice everybody's looking at them, so they grab their hands, and they start dancing around the toilet. <laughs> and they start singing. So then the warden came, he said, what's all this noise? What's this noise? What is this? He said, this is a prayer prison. He said, it's because of the toilet. And he said, oh really? So he went in, he took out the toilet. Okay, <laughs> so then Rav Zusha told him, now you can dive in. <laughs> now you can dive in. What's the point? You see what's the point here? Through Simcha, through joy, he got what was needed to daven. If he didn't activate Simcha, the solution would never have happened. It would have never arrived. Okay? This point, Rabbi Nachman opens up as a whole world. Every time you're stuck, dance, be silly, be happy. People think you're nuts. We say in French, you're nuts. You're being nuts. You know, you have to do something. What, your car just fell over and you're dancing like this? Are you, are you normal? You breast livers, what is this you're dancing? No, this is the solution. If I start fighting and worrying, okay, let's call now AAA, AAA, let's do this, and the person's panicking, and he sees obstacles, it's like, you know, you're running after the item, and it's running away from you. You try to do something, oh, this didn't work out, this, if you just take it easy, and be the simcha, it comes your way, ribona shalolam, it comes your way. Rabbi Nachman made a statement once, that for a person to get what really belongs to him in life, the only way he can get to it is if he's besimcha. If he's sad and broken and feeling he deserves this, he deserves that, and it doesn't come to him, he'll never get to what's really his. How does a person get to what's really his? If he builds and works on being besimcha always, right? Mitzvah gedola, liot besimcha tamid. People ask, where is it written? Where is it written? I have 613 mitzvot. I like these litvish guys. They're asking, where is it written? That's mitzvah gedola besimcha. It's clear well, with the Pasuk we brought earlier. All the curses happen because you did not serve Hashem besimcha. Rabbeinu Bachye. Rabbeinu, there's Rabbeinu Bechaye and there's Rabbeinu Bachye. Rabbeinu Bachye, he wrote a commentary on the Chumash. He's buried. If you've ever been in Eretz Yisrael, if you ever drive towards Meron, there's a little area called Chakuk, Chakuk and there's buried the Prophet Chavakuk Navi, and below him is buried Rabbeinu Bachye and his students. He was a big Kabbalist and he wrote a commentary on the Chumash. He says something amazing in Parashat Naso on the word used to describe the work of the Leviim in the Beit HaMikdash. He says there's what's called the Avodat Masa, the work of the Leviim to schlep, to carry the pieces of the tabernacle, the, 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 the walls and all the parts of the tabernacle that they had to schlep and carry. So it's called the Avodat Masa, and there's what's called Avodat Avodah. A work for another work. So what's the, what's, the, what's the explanation of that? The work of the Leviim for the work of the Kohanim who are doing the actual Korbanot, because the Leviim are forbidden to do the Korbanot. It's the Kohanim who do the Korbanot. And the Leviim assist them. They're assisting there by singing, by doing the, the Duchan and singing, right? That was the main assistance of the Leviim in the Beit HaMikdash when the Kohan was doing the Korban. The Levim were building a matzav, building a, an atmosphere of harmony and joy by playing music, okay? And it's called Avodat Avodah. So he learns out, Rabbeinu Bachei has a long explanation, to prove that from here we learn 
that it calls Avodah, by the way, is a mitzvah, Avodah, work, and serving Hashem is called an Avodah Hashem, and that it calls the service of the Leviim, which is playing the music, accompanying the Korban, the mitzvah, the Korbanot, the sacrifices that the Kohanim were doing, that it calls it Avodah, so it learns out that from every mitzvah, this applies to every mitzvah of the Torah, that when you do a mitzvah, one mitzvah, number one, you get a credit for the mitzvah itself. For example, you put on tefillin, okay? So he gets the mitzvah of tefillin. If now he put on the tefillin besimcha, he gets another special mitzvah. There's a second mitzvah called the simcha, the mitzvah of simcha putting on tefillin. He gives tzedakah. Does a guy come? And I don't like giving tzedakah to this guy. Take it. So he gets credited to giving tzedakah, okay? But if now he gives a tzedakah of a smile, here you go, thank you. So he gets the mitzvah for tzedakah. And the mitzvah of doing the tzedakah besimcha, he gets a credit to it. This Rabbi Nachman points out, Simcha ta mitzvah is your key to getting out. Getting out in anything. Whenever a person is faced with a difficulty, he has to look point blank, what can I do now to connect to Hashem and to do whatever is in my reach, to do it besimcha, he guarantees Rabbi Nachman, this is the way out. This is how you're going to get out. This is the way out, okay? This is how a person is going to get what's his true destiny, what's his true address. When you see people, they make one mistake and then it leads to a domino effect. It's because something went wrong along the way. Now, how can I fix it? That's the beauty of Judaism. The beauty of the Torah and Hashem, that even if it's after, quote-unquote, despair, a person, Rav Nassim explains this in the Kutei Alachot, a person can do an item that even though it's too late, it's technically too late, he can do an item that can go back in time and rectify and fix up and look, okay, let's start again now. It's phenomenal. You don't know how far-reaching is our Torah, how far-reaching is Hashem, and how far-reaching is the advice of being besimcha bezat Hashem. It works, it's powerful, but it has to be used, it has to be activated. Most people, they don't feel, they feel ashamed, it's beneath their dignity, but if I know that this is the address, this is what Hashem wants of me to be besimcha in what I'm doing, and this is the key, ki besimcha tetzehu, that from the simcha I can get out, so I will do everything to invest my energy in simcha. What happens when a person is non-stop thinking about this, when a person is davening about simcha, learning about simcha, and eating and drinking and sleeping about simcha, and he goes over it again and again and again and again. So what happens is, is that when a person now is faced, chas shalom, with a, again, a traumatic or difficult situation, by reflex now, by reflex and instinct, a person now fall automatically onto Simcha because now he's etched it so much in his subconscious. So now when the situation comes, he knows what to do. He knows to start dancing and start acting funny. You okay? He, start, he, he knows the right thing to do now, to activate it. That's why it's so important. So a few advices on being with Simcha. Number one, we spoke about the main one is yes, a person should tell jokes, you come to shul, okay, I'll tell you a joke now, I hope you guys laugh. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because Colonel Sanders was running after him. <laughs> Good, thank you. But some people are not, not smiling yet, no, okay, you're not smiling, okay, she's smiling, okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, Bibi Simcha, tell jokes, that's number one. Number two, to find your good points, Rabbi Nachman talks about this a lot, to see your good points, because everything's negative, the al sheikh the Al-Sheikh is buried in Sfat, Rabbi Moshe Al-Sheikh. He points out that Hashem created man 
that the pupil of the eye looks black. It's dark, right? It's see-through, but it look, because, because it's going into the eyeball, so it looks black. And sight of the eyeball, the human eyeball comes out from the pupil which looks black. Meaning, it's the nature of a man to look at things black. <laughs> it's the nature of a person to look at things dark. To be negative is nature. I have to fight against that. You can't say, oh, this guy, he's, he has a happy guy, and this guy's a very sad guy. You have to work on it, man. You've got to work on it in order to activate it. It doesn't come by itself, okay? So he says, Rabbi Nachman, you have to work on also this activity, this devotion, this power, this force called Nikudatova, finding a good point. It's not easy. Because you're being bombarded by yourself. Oh, you didn't wake up on time. Why oh, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And you start, you start smashing yourself with all the negative things that you didn't do, didn't do, didn't do, didn't do. And you, don't, you leave no room for the good. And the real, 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 reality, real reality is, is mida tova mirubad. There's much more good than bad. It's just that the, the Yitzhara, like Rabbi Nachman says, it's the coin. It's a coin. It's a tiny coin. But it's right over here, right in front of the eye. So it blocks everything. It makes everything look like you can't see the light behind it because it's right in front of the eyeball, right? That's the, that's the tendency of the, of the evil, to find the good points. Another advice is to literally put on music and start dancing. In breast of communities all over the world, there's a custom every day after Shacharit and after Arvit to dance. After the tefillah, they, they join, join hands in a rikud and they dance together. At least I danced today. I know I danced. Rabbi, Rav Natan had a disciple and he told him his name was Rav Nisan the name was Rav Nisan he told Rav Nisan I'll give you an advice how to get into Gan Eden dance every day even with yourself if there's no one to dance with so dance by yourself dance in your office now you have a break you lock the door you close the blinds and you start dancing to a nigun that you like okay you get into a happy mood move those legs move those legs okay move those arms okay clap dance this is a major, major force in getting a person to be positive and being besimcha b'zit Hashem. And beyond all this, Rabbi Natan says something very powerful. He says about the Beit HaMikdash. Okay, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed twice. The Gemara says, and the Midrash, two things remain from the Beit HaMikdash that were not touched. Number one is the Western Wall, the Kotel HaMaravi. Okay, we all know that. But I think people don't know about so much is that the Beit HaMikdash was burnt up to the foundations, up to the Yesod, velo ad bichlal. In other words, that the, 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 the enemies, the Romans and the, the Babylonians, they burnt the temple, destroyed it, but up to the foundation, but not including the foundation. Yesod, in Hebrew, foundation, is also a reference to the Tzaddik. The Pasuk says in Proverbs, King, King Solomon says in Mishle, the tzaddik, yesod olam. The tzaddik is the foundation of the world. What does that mean to me, the tzaddik's foundation of the world? You know, uh, I have my Judaism, I have my Torah, and there's Hashem, and all of a sudden you put in a tzaddik to be foundation? The answer is yes. A tzaddik is a foundation because he reached a level where he's considered an item that's not burnt out from the destruction of the temple. To explain, the burning of the Beit HaMikdash on a personal level means when you are burnt out, the heart and the mind is like the Mishkan, the, the, the Mishkan of the Temple, the Holy of Holies, and the Hechal, the heart and the mind. A person, by doing what he does, that he falls off the path and he does Averot, he burns his personal Beit HaMikdash. You've destroyed your personal Beit HaMikdash. 
However, if now you have a tzaddik, a yesod, that you are standing upon, you rely upon. In other words, you're not doing your Judaism just by art scroll or by whatever you see, Torah anytime and all that stuff. You are attached to a tzaddik. It will brush off on you. How will it brush off on you? That no matter how much you get burnt, how many times your Beit HaMikdash is destroyed, it's only up to the Yesod. Meaning what? That if now you have a, a connection to a Tzaddik Yesod Olam, a Tzaddik is a foundation, you always get inspiration and revitalization and recharging and re-energizing all this born-again stuff from this Tzaddik to start again and to begin again. This is why Rabbi Natan writes, it's so important, it's incumbent upon every Jew to find a tzaddik, a true tzaddik, who will constantly inspire a person through their teachings. That's why we have tzaddikim. I have chumash. People always say, why do we need tzaddikim? I have the chumash, I have the gemara, I have my synagogue, I have my tradition passed down from generation to generation. Why do I have to go crazy to find tzaddikim? You're going to need it. You're going to need it because the daily challenges you face don't match what you've received from 500, 600, 700 years ago. It's not enough anymore. It's not enough. The challenges you're going are way, way up. And you need a tzaddik of that caliber who can give you inspiration to fight. He says something very scary, Rabbi Nachman. He says that when, when, when Hashem allows a tzaddik of an outstanding level, let's take the level of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, or the Arizal, or the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Nachman, other tzaddikim, when Hashem gives the okay for tzaddikim to come down into this world, it comes with a, a package and parcel condition. Coming down to the world with this light of the tzaddik comes an equal and opposite level of darkness and impurity that you cannot overcome it unless you find these tzaddikim to combat it. It's not like, not like people thought. People thought the opposite. People thought, oh, there's such tumor in the world, such tumor in the world. So now we have to work to build a positive matzav. It's the exact opposite. The reason why there's such a challenge in life, because there, yes, exists such awesome, outstanding tzaddikim who have the power to stand up to such darkness and give a person a major boost of inspiration, which, which with, without it, a person barely stands a chance to fight it, which explains why so many of Jews have fallen into assimilation and intermarriage over these past 200 years, 200 years like crazy, like never we saw before ever in life, right? Okay? So the idea here is a person needs a tzaddik to give him this boost of constant reminding to be the simcha, to, to work on the simcha. In the end, it's your, your simcha. It, the tzaddik can only help you to build who you are, but he can't do the job for you. In the end, I have to work on the simcha. However, I can use the teachings of the tzaddikim to give me that boost, that chizuk, to start again. We spoke about many things tonight. Yiratzon, we should be zochet to work on the simcha, that the davening should change. One more thing I didn't mention is clapping hands. There's an idea of clapping hands, which you might find really weird. It's clapping hands. He says something phenomenal, Rabbi Nachman. He says a Jew, wherever he is, in Alaska, Timbuktu, wherever, the Great Neck, okay? <laughs> if he's in, wherever he is, by clapping hands during the prayer, you transform the air around you to the level of Eretz Yisrael. You hear this? While davening and joining the hands together, clapping the hands, 
which was something which was initiated by the Baal Shem Tov, this transforms the land you are in right now to Kedushat Eretz Yisrael, so that the words of your prayer, you're breathing in and saying words. I'm saying Baruch I'm saying words with this air around me, so my prayer becomes the prayer of Eretz Yisrael. And Eretz Yisrael is called Eretz HaChaim, and the, the land of the living, and the essence of life is what? Is Simcha, Simchat Chaim. So meaning, the, the, the idea of Eretz Yisrael, the representation of Eretz Yisrael, is joy, Simcha. So when a person claps their hands in the davening, he's actually activating the holy land air. I just a joke on the side, I remember when I was a kid in Canada, so the, 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 the Judaica stores, they had this thing, <laughs> they made a lot of money. A closed sardine can, closed, and it said on it, air from the holy land. <laughs> Air from the Holy Land and then the, the, the sardine can close, right? So you have air from the Holy Land. It was a joke, obviously, right? Okay? But you activate the, the air of the Eretz Yisrael and therefore you bring a better chance to, to daven b'simcha. Now obviously, you're, you're daven in a show where no one's used to it. You're going to bother them and, and uh, clapping your hands loudly, it's going to bother the people. So there's ways to do it that it's quiet and it doesn't bother other people. And if he's looking at me, you tell him, you mind your business. You have your siddur, you have your shmoneser, so you're not supposed to be looking at me. You look in your siddur, you don't, don't look at me. But I make sure I don't make noise to bother him, okay? We'll finish off of this. Yaakov Avinu, when Binyamin was born, Binyamin was the only son born in Eretz Yisrael. All the 11 tribes... We're not born in Eretz Yisrael. Huh? Unbelievable how we're speaking about it. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. Shtabach Shemo. Today's his birthday. He was born today. He was born on the day that Rachel Yemenu passed away. Today is the yard site of Mama Ruchel. Rachel Yemenu. Okay? And he was born on that day. Chazak. So, Minashamayim, we're finishing with this. Cherry on top. When, 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 when Binyamin was born, Rachel, before she passed away, she gave him the name. We're going to see it coming up in the parashot coming up. Ben Oni, the son of my mourning, because she passed away. She gave birth to a son, but she had to die for it. Okay, so she called him Ben Oni, but the Torah says afterwards that Yaakov called him, Binyamin. Okay, Binyamin. Rashi says, why is he called Binyamin? Because he's the only one born in the Holy Land, which, if now your head is facing uh, uh, eastbound, so Eretz Yisrael is on the right side. If now my head is towards, uh, towards the east, which was the case where Yaakov was at the time, he was uh, coming from, Eretz, from Padan Aram, Lavan's land, southbound. So if now, on that, on that positioning, the right side is called Eretz Yisrael, because he was going towards Yerushalayim, that direction. So it's the right Yamin is Eretz Yisrael. So he called him Bin Yamin because he was born in Eretz Yisrael. Also, according to the Kabbalah, Yamin is the side of the Chesed, of love, of goodness, and that's Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Binyamin, okay? So Rav, Rav Nosen explains better. He, he goes, in other words, he expounds the idea. Rachel saw that Binyamin, who in his portion was, was the Beit HaMikdash, we know that, you should know that, in Yerushalayim, even though part of it, the, the major bulk was belonging to the tribe of Judah, Yehuda, the Beit HaMikdash, you, Binyamin took a piece that went right, right into, in, into the Beit HaMikdash. So where, where the Holy of Holies was, belonged to the tribe of Binyamin. Okay, so the idea is that Binyamin represents the Beit HaMikdash, the built Beit HaMikdash. So she saw Rachel Yemenu, that in order to bring the third building of the Beit HaMikdash, the main way is that people get up at midnight 
and mourn, mourn, M-O-U-R-N, over the destruction of the temple and cry over the destruction of the temple, okay? So that's why she called him Ben-Oni, saying that the only way to come to the final redemption is through the main way. She said the main way is through Aninut. Ani, oni means Aninut, mourning. To be mourning. Avelut the Aninut in Hebrew, Nashana Kodesh. Mourning and crying, and, and that's the way how to bring Mashiach, which has been added to many people today. They say, you have to keep on crying, to keep on crying, until Mashiach comes, to keep crying and crying, crying, okay? And be broken and sad, Allah, what's going to be with my kids? What's going to be with no, no, To have a negative attitude and crying and crying and panicking. So Yaakov Avinu was smart. He says, yes, it's true that a Jew needs a time to have a broken heart and he needs to be broken. Yes, it's understood, but it's not all day long and it's not the main thing. He called him Bin Yamin, Yamin connoting Simcha. And Yaakov was saying, the main thing that's going to bring Mashiach more than anything else is the Simcha that Jews in their difficult situations work, dig to make a path to be besimcha, <laughs> this is what's going to bring Mashiach. The morning, yes, well, I'm not, we're not saying not to mourn at all. There's times to mourn. I'm not going to push it off totally. I need that. I need that balance. But the main avoda, the main devotion, is the work of being besimcha. Because the Pasuk says, Ki besimcha tetzeo. That's how you're going to get out. It's not just after you get out, this is what's going to be. In order to get out, Ki besimcha. Be means in, through simcha. Tetzel, you get out. This is the message here. Yeratzon, I think we spoke a lot, Bo Hashem. Yeratzon Bezat Hashem. Take this message. Be happy. Use the advices that we mentioned. And Bezat Hashem, it should enhance your life personally. Enhance Am Yisrael's situation. And Bezat Hashem, we should see Mashiach very, very soon. Bimera Amen. Amen.